once again with you and I'm just going to continue the series that we began last Wednesday and just like with all of our series is really if you missed the first week we encourage you to get the CD and, and to follow up but really every message is a message in itself so you're going to get something it's not like watching a show on TV and you missed what happens in the beginning and you catch them in the middle of something yes there's some things that you've missed but we're going to present today a message in itself that I really believe is going to touch you and we're going to talk once again from Proverbs chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles you can turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. I was reading this the beginning of last week and just some principles from God's Word jumped out at me and we started last week looking at life-changing principles. Remember a principle is a foundational truth. Okay, A principle is a foundational truth upon other truths rely. Okay, So it's a foundation upon other things or upon which other things rely. So if we don't have the foundation, we can't have what follows. Come on, if we're going to get to B, we've got to go, you know, start at A and work it through. The principle is laying the groundwork where other truths will hang on to. So therefore, principles are important. They're important in our lives. So last week, we looked at the first six verses from Proverbs chapter 3, and we looked at principle number one, to live a life of obedience, to obey God. Principle number two, to living a life of trust. Even if we don't see it, doesn't mean it's not happening, that we need to trust in God. We need to trust in God. Kelly and I have had some experiences this last week with buying a new house where paperwork wasn't signed when it should and things weren't in and it could have messed the deal up. And I've told Kelly many times this week, don't worry about it, just trust God. I said, if that's not the house God has for us, I don't want it anyway. We've got to trust God and that's how we've got to live our lives. We know it, but it's hard to apply it. Do I hear an amen? But we've got to start. We've got to start telling ourselves. And it's okay if you've got to remind yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Constantly remind yourself. I've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. And I'm telling you, it will finally begin to get through to you. So tonight we're going to pick up Proverbs chapter 3 at verse 7. We're going to read two verses for right now. And we're going to look at the third principle that we're going to discuss tonight. It says this, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Say that with me. Fear the Lord. Come on, say that one more time. Fear the Lord. And it goes on to say, and depart from evil. Verse 8, it will be health to your flesh or to your body and it will be strength or drink or nourishment to your bones. 
I love how verse 8 starts, it will be health. New Living Translation says, then you will gain renewed health and vitality. The thought is that it's renewing, it's constantly available. But what is it? What will be health to our bones? What will be vitality to our life? I'm telling you what it is, the fear of God. The fear of God. Through having a fear of God, it will produce or it will manifest itself in two ways. Are you ready? First way, and that is this. It's going to manifest itself in this way. It's going to steer you away from evil. How do I know that? Because when you have the fear of God, it says what? You're going to depart from evil. It's going to steer you in the right path. How many needs to go down the right path in their life? The fear of God is like the steering wheel that will direct your life in the right way it needs to go. So guess what? It involves your spiritual well-being. Number one. Here's the second thing. Are you ready? It will provide health and strength for your body. What are you saying? I'm telling you how the fear of God will not only satisfy your spiritual well-being, it also what meets your physical well-being. Come on, how many are glad that God's not just about the spiritual, but He's about every part of your life? That when we live in the fear of God, the Bible promises there is strength both physically and spiritually for our lives. There are many tragedies that we could look at in the church world today, but I believe one of the greatest tragedies that we are facing today is as a church, as a body of believers, as people who confess Christ as Lord and Savior, we have lost sight of the fear of God. We've lost sight of the fear of God. I heard this with a book that I'm listening to on holiness. The the author says this, when we don't fear God, we won't truly fear sin. When we don't fear God, we truly won't fear sin. Because when you've got no fear of God, you live in any which way you want. Despite even the circumstances that you're going to bring upon your life, you just don't care. You're just going to do it anyway. I'm telling you, if we had the fear of God again in our lives like we should, we wouldn't do half the things that we do. We would not do half the things that we do. And I'm going to talk about the fear of God, but before I talk specifically about the fear of God, I want to talk generally, if I may, about fear. There's something about fear that happens in any one of our lives. If we have fear in our lives, you know what fear does? Fear stops us and causes us to take note. Come on, it means that you are fully conscious about something. Fear catches your attention and it warrants a response from you. In other words, fear requires an action for you. We respond to fear. What am I talking about? Let me give you an example. If we're afraid of the dark, what do we do? We turn on a light. It's a response to counteract that fear. If someone's afraid of the dark and they don't do anything about it, and they try to hide it, come on, they're aware of their fear, and therefore, as a result of that fear, what do they do? They respond to it. If someone's afraid of heights, you know what they do? They don't go up high. 
They stay with their feet on the ground. That's their response. They counteract that fear. So they're fully aware of that thing. Having a fear of God is more than just having a respect and a reverence for Him. You can have a respect for someone and you can have no fear of that person. You can hold someone in a reverence, but have no fear. Reverence and fear is important and we're going to see that in a second. But what we've got to, we've got to the place that we've taught the fear of God is just respecting God and having a reverence for Him. That's just part of it. That is the result of it. But we've also got to understand who we are fearing. And why it is that we should fear God and in what sense we should fear God. Let me try and show you what I mean. In Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13, the Bible says this, The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. That means have a respect, have a reverence for. But notice what it goes on to say. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. Let me read that one more time. The Lord, you've you got to have a reverence and a respect for Him. But the Bible also says you need to have a fear or a dread for Him. In this particular passage, Isaiah is instructed by God to give a word to His people. Assyria was going to invade their land. They knew it. But God was telling them through the prophet, their fear was not to be against man. That wasn't their threat. That wasn't what they should worry about. They shouldn't worry about what man could do, but rather they were to fear only God. They were to have a fear for only God. It's amazing, in our lives we tend to fear everything else, but we have so little concern about the awesomeness of the God that we serve. We fail to realize His might, His power, His majesty, His awesome power. You've got to understand, here's a God that spoke and bam, the world was created. I mean, we serve an awesome God. In Bible times, listen to this, they would not even mention the full name of God out of fear of who He was, out of reverence and awe and wonder and respect for Him. Instead of Yahweh, they would just call Him Yah because of the fear they had. They knew what it was to stand there and see the ground open up and people to be swallowed up. They knew what it was to come under the judgment of the mighty hand of God. But you know what's happened in all of our grace, 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 our grace, 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 we've lost sight of the fear of God. We've lost sight of the fact that He's a righteous judge just as much as He's a holy, gracious God. And I believe that we've done an injustice just to preach. It's having, excuse me, just a respect or a reverence. That's part of it. But that comes as a result of the fear that we have for God. God doesn't want us to be terrified of Him. That's not what I'm saying. Because here's the reality. If you're terrified of something, you're going to stay away from it. God doesn't want us to be terrified of Him so that we'll run away But there needs to be a certain amount of terror that he possesses that will cause us to have such a awe and a wonder and a respect for him. I need to be concerned when I'm doing wrong. 
of the fact of what could be the consequences for my action. I need to start having a fear of God in my life. And listen to me. It's a big problem we have today. Let me give you an illustration. I feared my dad as a kid. I had a fear of my dad. It, didn't, it wasn't to the extent I was afraid of my dad. And every time he ran in the room, I ran away. As soon as he lifted his hand, I didn't cower back thinking, man, he's just going to beat me every time. But listen, my fear was this. I was afraid of the consequences I would bring upon myself through disobedience and rebellion. I was afraid of the, what would be the response to my wrong response. And as a result of that, I had a fear for my dad. That fear caused me to respect his authority and position and want to do everything possible not to find myself on the wrong side of it. Do I hear an amen? amen. It's a terror, and I don't really like that word terror, but we just read in the Bible, a dread is what it said. That what? That leads us to a place of reverence, respect and awe. And which does then something else. Can I tell you what else that does? First, we have a fear of God. His awesomeness, His power, His might that leads us to have a reverence and awe, a respect for God, but then leads us to something else. It leads us to a life of obedience. That we'll be obedient to that. As a result of fearing God, It produces great benefits in our lives. We just read it earlier, both spiritually and physically, that will depart from evil, that it will be health and life to our bodies. You know what natural fear does? Natural fear reduces, but godly fear produces. Think about that. Natural fear reduces us, makes us afraid, cowers back. But godly fear produces something inside of us. Godly fear produces something inside of us. I'll never forget the time that Jerry was told the story about how he came home one day and he always heard about the rapture. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And he came in into the kitchen and where his mother was always. And I, I think he said that the tap was running or there was something that was happening in the house. And his mom wasn't there and he's screaming and what's going on? And he said, oh, she must be in the shed because my dad works in the shed. His work hat is back there. And he runs into the shed and here's the lathe just spinning. But his dad is gone. And Jerry thought the rapture had taken place. And he thought he was left. And then his mum just walked around the corner. And he's like, oh, hey, mum, how's it going? You know, and he acted all cool. But I'll never forget the words he said. He said, I'm glad that we were brought up with the fear of God into our lives. I'm glad we were brought up to know the fear of God. We need to have the fear of God because, yes, it leads us to obedience and repentance. But look what Proverbs 1 verse 7 says. It also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of God is wisdom, it's knowledge, it's help for every one of us. The fear of God is such an important principle that we must have in our lives. Telling not in the sense that we're so afraid that we're backing down. But it has to be more than just having a reverence and a respect. 
there needs to be a terror. There needs to be a dread in the fact that we recognize the awesomeness and the mightiness of the God that we serve. And that we don't want to do anything that would come against that. We've got to have the fear of God again in our lives. Because as I said earlier, if we had the fear of God, we would not do half the things that we normally would do. Principle number four. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Danny read this earlier. Scripture says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Anytime throughout the entirety of the Word of God, when it talks about that we are to honor someone or something, I challenge you to go and read it for yourself. But anytime the Bible tells us to honor someone or something, there is always a blessing that is attached to that honor. There's always a reward that is attached to honor, meaning that when we give honor, guess what? God honors us in return. There's a blessing that comes in our lives from the beginning to end. In the Ten Commandments, Jesus says this in Exodus 20, verse 12. He says this, honor your father and mother. What happens? That what? That you will have long life, that you'll have long life upon this earth. As we honor our father and mother, guess what? It's going to be increased days on this life. There's going to be blessings that's going to come. Jesus quoted that in the Gospels and he talked about that. So honor will produce blessing in your life. Why should I honor? Because it produces blessing. Why should I honor people? Because there are rewards that are attached To honor. So, what is honor? You know, there's different definitions in the dictionary when we look at honor. Honor can be receiving credit for doing something right, for acting well, that you were honored, that you were given an award for doing something right and doing something well. Honor roll student. What? They've worked hard all year and done everything that was asked by the teacher, and therefore they're receiving an award. Another thing about honor is this, that they, it means that you've got a good reputation, a good name, that we honored them because of their reputation, their name, what they did. To honor also means to be gracious, to show grace, to give honor. The Bible tells us that we are to live with honor. So how do we live an honorable life? I want to give you three ways that we live an honorable life. Are you ready? Number one, by following God's word. By following God's word. What do I mean by that? By acting right and living right. You know what? We give honor to God when we live like that. That's how we need to live. We need to be mannerable. Yes, we need to be all these things. But doing the things that we know we need to do and knowing what to do. Living a life of integrity. Isn't that living a life of honor? Come on, we've got to live like that. Live a life of integrity. Live a life above reproach. Just because everyone else is doing it, we've got to live an honorable life that says it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. Is that what God wants me to do? Is that the truth of God's word? Am I honoring Him through living like that? So that's one of the ways we live an honorable life. It's by following His Word, by doing things right. And we're never going to be perfect, don't get me wrong. 
But don't use that as an excuse for why you don't do anything. Come on, salvation is a two-way street. It takes your work as well as what He's already done. Come on now. Honor God. Second way that we can live an honorable life is by having a respect for authority. Honoring those. Honoring those. The Bible speaks about honoring those who are widows. It talks about honoring your mother and father. Having a respect for authority. There's a lot of Christians today that have no respect for authority. And if you cannot live with honor, I'm telling you, you're going to be barren and you're going to suffer. Because the Bible says that honor will bring produce to your life. It produces blessings to your life. Come on, your barns are going to be full and your vats are going to overflow when you honor God. And it's not just really honoring even just those in authority. It's honoring people in general. Just having a respect for people. I remember a young lady, well she wasn't a young lady, she was an elderly lady that worked at Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. A lovely lady, her name was Miss Ivy. She, she worked in the back and, uh, and, and she was back in the tape duplication and people didn't really see her much and all this. But I remember one day she told me, she said, you know who my favorite person is that's ever worked here? And I said, no, who? She says, a man named John Starnes. I said, I know John Starnes, an incredible singer. She said, I absolutely love that man. She said, because I used to work in the gardens and do the flowers. And she said, in the middle of summer, it was so hot and we'd be working in the flower beds. And she said, he would always drive by and he would wind down his window and say, I just want to tell you what a beautiful job that you're doing. The flowers look absolutely wonderful. She said, I've never forgot that. And she said, I've got such a respect for him that he would honor me. She said, he didn't have to stop because I was just the gardener. He was famous. He was known all over the world. But she said, I will never forget the honor that he gave me. I'm telling you right now, people don't forget the honor that you give them. To treat people with respect. Treat people with honor. If you want respect, you give it. If you want blessing, you sow it. Come on, if you want to see rewards in your life, you start giving. Because a tight-fisted person is something that God cannot even get into you. But when your hand is open to give, your hand is also open and stretched out ready to receive. God can get something into you if He can get it through you. Come on. God can get it to you if He can get it through you. So honor people. So how do we do it? We first live by God's word, just doing right, being right. Secondly, we honor authority. We honor people. We just live in a life of honor. We, we, we show kindness. We have compassion. We don't get too busy and too big and too bad that we forget those around us. I'm telling you tonight, here's a third way that we can honor and live an honorable life. And I know there are other ways, but here's the third way tonight. And that is this, through paying our tithes. Through paying our tithes. And you may say, oh, here he goes again, just talking about money. No, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about how the blessings of God can come into your life. I'm talking about how the blessings of God, bringing back to God what's already His, is honoring God. In fact, that's really what Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 is talking about. Yes, it's important to give honor to others. Yes, it's important to respect and, and, and respect authority and honor those and, and to praise people. We honored the fathers in here. We believe in honoring people in the house and, and we have honored people. Why? Because we believe that's biblical and right to do. But also, we've got to realize that honor is in the way that we give to God. 
or to bring back to God what's already His. What we just read there is this. What was it? Proverbs 3 verse 9 says what? Honour the Lord. What was it? There it is. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. Okay? What we just read there is reference to the practice of giving to God the first and the best portion of the harvest. When you go home, read Deuteronomy chapter 26. God speaks about this, bringing the best of the harvest, the first of the harvest. You can also read in Exodus chapter 13, the Bible, or God also instructs them not only to bring the first of their harvest, but to bring the first of their children and the first of their cattle or their flock. Now, obviously, they're not going to sacrifice their kids. They would bring a a ram or a sheep as a sacrifice on their behalf. But God speaks about giving the best, giving the firstborn. But notice the order that God wants it to be given. It's Him first or to honour Him first. Many people are good at giving God their leftovers. If they can afford to give anything after the bills are paid, they do so. And one thing you need to note, these people may be very sincere and they contribute willingly. But I'm telling you, they're not fully obeying what God says to do. I made reference to Exodus chapter 13. When God says, bring the firstborn of your donkey or your oxen or your sheep. Well, you've got to understand this. What if their oxen died while giving birth to that. An oxen was their livelihood. They couldn't plow, they couldn't farm if they didn't have that. So it wasn't a case of them, God saying, I'll take the second or the third. God was saying, I want you to give me the first. And here's the thought, you may never have a second, but I want you to give me your first. How many would say that took a lot of faith to do that? I mean, that took a lot of faith to give. I mean, this is my firstborn sheep. I may never have another sheep from this one. And you want me to give this lamb to you? God says, yeah, I want the first. Now, people can look and try and say, well, that's kind of selfish. But here's the thought. If we give God first his portion, he promises to redeem the rest. The reason we give first to God, it demonstrates that God, not our possessions, has the first place in our lives and that our resources all belong to Him. What we say when we give God first is, God, I'm just a steward. I'm just managing that which is already yours, but you've just entrusted it into my keeping. And here's what happens when we do that. Here's the promise that's attached to the principle. Proverbs 3 verse 10. And your barns will be filled. Now I like the thought here of filled. You know, you can talk about something being filled and it may not be to the top. But in the original text or in the original language, the word filled here is used to the brim. I mean to the max. It's totally jammed packed full. God says, if you honor me with everything you have, if you live a life of honor, if you give to me first, God says your life is going to be jam-packed full 
of blessings. There's going to be plenty in your vats and you're going to overflow with new wine. Come on, your barns are going to be filled. Now, I know that there may be temporary exceptions that may occur. I know that we can pay our tithes and sometimes the washing machine breaks down. And sometimes this happens and that. But may I remind you today, they're just temporary things. Because I'm telling you right now, you keep putting God first. You keep putting God first and you watch as the blessings will be poured back unto your life over and over and over again. Why? Because when we sow God's promises, we're going to reap. And we only reap in accordance to the seed that we sow. There's no seed in the ground, there's no harvest. And the harvest is determined upon the seed that we sow. That's why we've got to sow good. Come on, say with me, honour. Come on, it's not about just following God's word. It's not just about having respect for other people. It's also putting God first. Putting God first. Money is perhaps one of the greatest tests that every one of us have. Because money is a hard thing for some of us to part with. But it's a test that God gives to every one of us. And when we pass that test, I'm telling you, there's blessings that come. There's blessings that come. I don't want to sound like a redundant, repeating myself over and over again. But I'm going to say it again and you're going to hear me say it again. There's two types of testimony in this world. The tither and the non-tither. And you can go anywhere you want and the testimony of the tither is going to be the same. I don't know how it works, but it works. I don't know how, but when I didn't have, I still gave and I put God first and God has met my every need. And then the testimony of the non-tithe is going to be the same too. I can't afford to give. And look at their life versus the life of the tither. And I'm telling you, if we honour God, we've got to honour God. Come on, say with me, honour. Honour encompasses my whole being. Listen to this. Honour affects what I do. Honour affects what I am and honour affects what I give. Let me say that one more time. Honour affects what I do, honour affects what I am and honour affects what I give. And that's a principle of God. That's a principle of God. So tonight, principles three and four that we've looked at, fear God. Fear God. Because when we do that, we're going to depart from evil. He's going to steer us in the right pathway. And then what happens? There's going to be strength and health that's going to come to us physically too. So glad about that. That living right and being right and honouring God. There's life that comes. The second thing we talked about, as I just said, is honour. That when we honour God, when we live an honourable life, There's going to be a plentiful supply and blessings that are going to be attached to our lives. I'm telling you, people bless people who are honourable. And I'm not looking for man's blessing, but you're going to get man's blessing. But there's a greater blessing that we need, and that's the blessing of God. A principle, remember, is a foundational truth from which other truths depend or flow from. Don't withhold the hand of blessing upon your life. Look at the four principles that we've covered over the last two weeks. Live a life of obedience. Live a life of trust. Learn how to fear God. 
remember as a kid, one, even still now, when no one's here and, and it's dark and you come into the church, there's kind of like this, this, like this fear. It's like an awe. It's, not, it's just a weird feeling that you come in. I remember as a kid going into church when it was empty and you were like, oh, you know, you like walking. It wasn't the dark. It wasn't so. It was just about the fact of just having a fear and an awe and a wonder, just knowing the greatness of God. Knowing the greatness of God. And then the last thing we talked about tonight is just having honor in our lives. Having honor. In our men's Bible study last night, we talked about perhaps the greatest testimony that we could have said of our lives is that we were godly men. That our children looked at us and said we're godly men. You know how that comes? Through living an honorable life. Living a life of honor before God. Honor for ourselves, honor towards other people, and honor towards God. I'm telling you, if we act and add these principles to our life, our lives will be completely changed and completely turned around. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.